The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first of hopefully a very fun new section of the science of Pokemon. I am Veteran Lucas, and if you are just putting on to this and like, wait, what, what happened to the other guys? Well, here's the thing. I am currently recording this because I am starting a new job in Japan. So, yay me. I'm not going to be able to record as much with the guys as I would like, but I still want to teach you guys something. I still want to teach things about Pokemon, and so now we are going to be having this new mini-series. So that way I can run through some really small stuff that wouldn't have the time for a whole show, but I still think is really cool and that you guys would really like to learn. So, uh, without further ado, cue the music. No, no, no. Um, that's theirs. That's that's theirs, and I love it. But um, you know, we gotta let let's class it up. Let's class it up slightly. All right. Now let me. Uh, I got it. Uh, Tom, uh, you mind? Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, Veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Thanks, Tom. Alright guys, so our first topic is going to be, as it says on the opening, shiny types. So we are actually going to be talking about shiny Pokemon. We're going to be talking about why they're in the game, what they're related to, and if you can find shiny type Pokemon in your own backyard. So uh, let's get started. So officially shiny types were called alternate colorations, but the fans decided to call them shiny types instead because it just had a better ring to it. And they officially became the term for them in Gen 4. In every game, there's a slim chance that you'll encounter a Pokemon with a different coloration set of colors to their design. This started off in Gen 2. Now, the odds of meeting a Shiny-type Pokemon vary wildly, depending on the game. The hardest, of course, was of Gen 2, where it was a 1 out of 8,192. But then, up to Gen 5, it turned into 1,496. And it adjusts slightly per game ever since. So finding a shiny type is not easy, but it certainly is a lot easier now than it was back then. So every game has had their own way of easing those odds or making it a little bit easier or harder. Uh, And a lot of the games where you got the shiny charm after you got all the Pokedex entries, it was basically their way of saying, hey, you collected them all, do it again. And I I honestly thought that was pretty hilarious. Uh, So... With everyone's, um, every Pokemon having shiny types, obviously they're going to be ones that are going to be just random color swaps and others with more meaning and more depth. If you go back to our Alolan episode, we talked about how the black tapus symbolize some of the culture found in Hawaiian mythology. But some of them are just colors because, well, they thought it'd be, it'd be cool. So, for example, my favorite is shiny Magikarp. Shiny Magikarp. I made a cosplay of Shiny Magikarp because it was so much fun. But then, of course, there are some that I um don't quite care for. I'm sorry. Making a water-type pink is boring and dumb. It just seems to be a thing. I don't like it. I get it. it it's beautiful. It's fabulous. But I still hate it. I-, I wish they'd done something else with it. Now, the question you get a lot with this stuff is like, well, are there Shiny types in the real world? Because people know, well, they've heard of being albino they've heard of like people who are born with different skin pigments and people are oh that a shiny type would that be considered shiny and that's what i wanted to go into i wanted to talk about real quote unquote 
shiny types in our world. So uh, let's get started with that. So the reason you have the color of your skin that you do is due to pigmentation. The color of any organism is controlled by pigmentation, and it's the key one in humans is melanin. The more melanin you have, the darker your skin will be. A normal skin tones can vary slightly, even in the same species, when there's usually an evolutionary reason for having that certain color. So, for example, I worked a lot with cow nose stingrays at the Florida Aquarium, and they had a bit of a color differentiation. There were some that were very dark in color versus very light in color, and that didn't make them a different species. That was just a difference in skin tone, the amount of melanin each one had, and that was going to help them out eh, slightly because that means they could help camouflage better. The lighter color ones could camouflage in the sand in Bahamas better, and the darker ones could hang out in the more brackish waters of Tampa Bay. Now, of course, there are mutations that will cause the pigmentation to almost completely disappear, or they won't have any at all, and that is known as albinism. That's one of the ways you can do it. Albinism is a congenital absence of pigment, so it leaves the hair, skin, and scales of animals completely white with no pigment in the eyes. Uh, the reason that you'll get red eyes on albinos is that the blood vessels of the retinas are now purely visible without the pigment blocking it out. The opposite of albinism is melanism. Hopefully you all guessed what that means. Your body produces an abnormal amount of melanism, and you turn all black, and I mean like pitch black, tar pit black. It's beautiful and fascinating stuff. Uh, there are, of course, other cases where animals are going to have different colors due to genetic factors. Uh, yellow cardinals and blue lobsters, their bodies don't produce enough of a certain pigment, which means that they are going to only stay, a, they're going to have a different coloration, but it's not going to be as, as dramatic as like, oh, you just don't have any pigment whatsoever. And so that would be the closest equivalent we have to shiny types. Now, the other thing you get asked about, and this happens whenever anybody is grinding on Twitch of like, oh, I'm grinding for shinies, and then eight hours later, why didn't I catch one? Why are they making this so hard? To be honest, one, I think it's because they want you to catch them all and make more money. The other is that finding an albino animal or a quote-unquote shiny animal in human care is easy. Like, you can find them in zoos and aquariums a little bit easier, but finding them in the wild, incredibly difficult. To give you an idea, the average lifespan of an animal with albinism is 24 hours. That's it. If you have melanism, that means that you're all black and you camouflage better than most of your relatives so you survive, yay you. But albinism makes things real tricky. And that is for a number of reasons. The number one being that when you are all white in most places of the world outside of the Arctic, you are a poor hider. You cannot survive because everything's going to pick you up from the trees, grasses, or sand. Uh, the other problem is that melanin, uh, those any sort of darker pigment, is going to help with absorbing UV radiation, meaning that if you don't have it, now you're going to get skin cancer a lot easier. Now you're going to get burned up by the UV radiation, get massive sunburns, and that can cause other health problems. Or somewhere in your species, the albinism gene is connected to something important, and it causes a malfunction there, causing even more health problems. Finding them in the wild takes a very special kind of luck. There are examples of albino animals raised in human care, and that is because we can actually do it, because we can actually keep them alive. Now, some of the most common ones are the white mice that you see everywhere with the red eyes. Yeah, they're technically albino. They would never survive in the wild, 
but we were able to breed them in human care. Uh, albino alligators are the same way. We were actually able to breed them in human care. Although, funny enough, there's actually another genetic disorder that makes blue alligators. Look up a blue alligator. Gorgeous creature. Absolutely stunning. So, I think shiny types have the exact same problem, since many of them can't blend in and hide as well as their others of their kind. Makes them very easy prey. If you think about it, um, in the old Pokedex entry, it talks about how Pidgeotas will swoop down and catch Magikarps. Which one's going to be easier to catch? The one that's red and kind of blends in a little bit in the dark, because red can actually, the red and orange can actually be a little bit better hiding in the dark, or the shining golden god that's just sitting there at the bottom of the ocean, just chilling. He can easily just swoop in as it comes to the surface and then grab him. It's super easy prey. Think of all the pink water types. It's just much easier to find them. Think of Obstagoon. Think of Obstagoon's colors and think how easy that is to blend in with the night. Just a pimped out Gene Simmons just showing up out of nowhere. You can easily see him in the dark. Almost every shiny type coloration would make that organism a lot harder to find. Now, I like to add positive spin on things. There are some that would have been just given an advantage being a shiny type. It means that they are actually a lot better off at surviving than the normal ones. So the other ones that have an advantage would probably be something like uh, Scizor. Scizor's form is green instead of red, meaning if you're living in the woods and the forest, you now blend in with the trees and you can just go all predator on somebody, jump down and attack without them even knowing you're there. Greninja follows the exact same trend and it, it's new black color. It's perfect for ninja work. It's perfect for hiding. It's perfect for avoiding uh, predators' looks. It's also great for attacking your own prey. So there are adaptations that help really help these animals survive. So a couple of those shiny types can be quite useful to the animal. But again, it's all just a game, but it's a very fun one. And I'd love to get a speculation on that. So to wrap it all up, shiny types were created as a way to make us collect more Pokemon. And some people collect all of them, all shinies, and that's weird. They even introduced the square shinies as a way of saying, oh, you collected all the shinies now. Do it again. And for me, there's too many to count, too many to just go through a whole thing on all of them, but I really do think that it's a cool thing to add. With shiny types, which is the way that they work, I think it's a fascinating way to connect to things like albinism and melanism to show people that you do have these weird genetic disorders. In humans, you have them too, but that's more of a Professor Collins things with the culture of that. Uh, spoiler alert, it's uh, usually they think you're a demon or a god, and I know exactly which one I want to be in. Um, if you've ever gotten a chance to see an albino animal, either in the wild or in human care facility, uh, we'd love to see a picture. If you post it on our Facebook or our Twitter, I would love to get a chance to see which ones you've seen. For me, uh, the albino animals that are my favorite are the alligators. Uh, my least favorite are things like white tigers, because white tigers do not blend in at all with their natural surroundings, and there's a lot of history into them being mismanaged at different facilities. But that's neither here nor there. Thank you guys so much for listening to our first section of Lucas Lectures. We'll see you for the next one. Bye-bye, everybody.